Even though our world is broken, there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Candid Mike is here to share the gospel through life lessons and heavy-hitting interviews that will leave you inspired. In each episode, you will have the opportunity to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of those you love. Today's episode has something good for you. Today we have the opportunity to interview Ray Mello Jackson, who is a great friend of mine, a graphic designer, and a disciple of Jesus Christ. I met Ray Mello almost a year ago at Florida State University in the Involvement Fair. He is awesome. Please check out his Instagram at R-A-I-M-E-L-L-O Jackson to see his work. We hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome back to Candid Mike. I'm Mitchell Lavender, your host. I'm excited right now because one of my best friends is with me, Ray Mello Jackson. Um, this is our first interview that we get to do on this podcast series. But just so we can get it going, Mello, just in general, how was life for you growing up? Oh, yes. Life for me growing up. I grew up in a single parent household. It was just my mom taking care of us. And it was it was rough when we were kids. Um, things weren't always the best. I remember, like, um, when we were kids, sometimes, like, she, uh, she would go out to work. My mom would have to work late hours so she, you know, could pay for, like, you know, groceries and food and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, we wouldn't have, like, much to eat. So, like, me and my brother, uh, when it was just me and him, we would just eat, like, crackers with peanut butter. And that would, like, that's all we ate that night. Wow. Or, like, ramen noodles or something. Mm -hmm. Because, like, sometimes we didn't have food Mm -hmm. in the house. And, like I said, it was rough. But, like, man, as I got older, like, I'm starting to appreciate my mom even more. Because, like, of everything that she went through with my dad. And, like, how she kind of, like, took care of all of us even when, like, things were hard. And she didn't have to. I mean, like, yes, there's, like, an obligation. Like, a maternal obligation. But, like, in this day and age we live in, you know, you could have easily just sent us off put us off for adoption or like sent us somewhere you know or like giving us to your you know grandparents or something but she decided to take care of us which is you know insane to me but uh growing up was pretty it was pretty like i said it was rough um elementary school i got bullied a lot um i was a lot different than all the other kids and and that was because like i was like a lot bigger than all the other kids Mm -hmm. and um i went to like a 90 like i think it was like 95% white school like that was like the majority and like in my class there was only like me um and one other black female so there was no other black males in like my like I think it was like my second grade class um so I I just I just got bullied a lot um for like my height for my weight um, cause I was a thick old kid. I was a thickums. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it was, it was hard. Um, but I made some friends and like, we were all kind of like the outcasts of like all our like classes. So like I became friends with like all the kids who were made fun of and like all the kids who were bullied. And I mean, it was nice cause like it was like genuine companionship Mm -hmm. um and then as i got older in middle school things got slightly better Uh, i met my best friend in middle school his name's jt love that kid i've known him since um i've known him since i yeah since seventh grade so i've known him for like 10 years now i think 
But yeah, um, that's my homie. I love him. But eighth grade hit, and eighth grade was when things turned around. Like eighth grade, things got a lot better. Um, people started to like me more in school, and people started to like genuinely want to get to know me more. And I wasn't just that like odd kid who smelled funny and was big. In there. Um, but yeah, um, man, deodorant. Deodorant's important. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kids started to like me more. Um, my home life was good, man. Like my mom, she... I, there, I can't say enough about my mom. She took care of us like so well. Nice. And she worked so hard mm-hmm. just to make sure we had a roof over our head. And that we like didn't have to worry about certain things, man. And she got us, like, things that, like, kids don't need. Like, I had, like, three PSPs by the time I was in eighth grade. Three? Like, three different PSPs. Wow. Because I ended up breaking all of them. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. My mom bought us all, like, Game Boy SPs, the flip ones, and, like, she bought us, like, an Xbox and stuff like that. Like, yeah. every Christmas, she would get us whatever she wanted. Wow. And this is a single mother. Yeah. Doing wow. this for three children. Me, my brother, and my sister. Wow. Um so like and I'm the youngest so I get spoiled but (laughs) she like it just doesn't make sense to me how like hard she worked for us and like how she succeeded it wasn't even like she worked hard and then like came short but she worked hard and then she succeeded every single time um, and blew my expectations away Mm. but uh high school hit and I had a girlfriend in high school and then that lasted for like a year mm-hmm. and then that was done with we broke up and i didn't know how to handle heartbreak as a young lad yeah, so i enemy. went through some depression which was not good i was in a really dark place and like i thought some thoughts that i've never thought before and i mm-hmm. genuinely like during that time in my life i did not want to be alive and it was it was really bad with the thoughts centered around you not wanting to be alive yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those. Yeah. They were centered around like me not wanting to be here anymore, me mm-hmm. not wanting to do anything anymore, and I like I lost a lot of weight, mm-hmm. which is like I mean like it wasn't cool during that time, but yeah. it was cool afterwards because yeah. like I was pretty chubby, and then I literally lost all that weight, mm-hmm. which is weird because I just didn't want to eat. Let me ask you something. What would you say to someone who is in a depression right now? Oh. Okay. Um. If you are going through depression right now, um, first off, if you're listening to this, I'd like to say you're already taking a good step Mm -hmm. because at least you're, you know, doing something that you might enjoy. You might enjoy listening to this podcast. So I'd say like, that's a good step is try to remember the things that you enjoy in life Mm -hmm. and, um, do those things. One thing my mom told me while I was going through my depression and, it was hard for her to like see me like that. But yeah, one thing, imagine. one thing she told me while I was going through it was like, look at the little things in life. Like, look at how beautiful the flowers are. Look at how beautiful like the sky is. Or like, think about like, because I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. I still draw a lot. But <laughs> as a kid, I used to draw a lot. And like, she would you know tell me like, go draw or like, go play video games or go like run around or just. Just do the things that you love. The things that you did before you were depressed 
and that you enjoyed, like you truly enjoyed, mm-hmm. do those things. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, those things will bring that same joy to you. Because they don't, it, they don't, it doesn't just stop bringing you joy mm-hmm. unless it's the cause of your depression. But like, if you go back and do those things, you'll experience joy again, and you'll start to remember, like, hey, like, mm-hmm. if this is in life, like, if my art is in life, and I can draw while I'm alive, maybe living isn't that bad. Then you know. So mm-hmm. that was. That's one big thing I'd say. Okay. After the um, depression, I um, I started to get a lot better. Um, I played football and did wrestling in high school. And, man, I had some really good friends that helped me out of that. Like, some friends that, like, they're still my friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they helped you out of the depression? Yeah. Okay. They, like, they helped me, man. Like, I remember... One of the best summers of my life was um, my sophomore year leading to my junior year. Mm -hmm. And it was the best summer of my life because almost every day, these group of friends, and they were older than me, they're like seniors, but for some reason they cared about me that much, and I was like that much of like a little brother to them, that they would take me like to the beach every day, or they would take me to Universal like every day wow or they would take me to disney or they would like we would hang out at their house or like whatever we would hang out like every day over that summer and like that really helped man like having those friends to be able to like confide in having those friends to almost like and it might not be the same for other people because everyone like has different triggers for the depression but for me it was over a girl and like they were really good at like helping me see how kind of like small it was in the grand scheme of things they would make jokes about it mm-hmm. and they would like we would laugh at it together and we'd be like this is stupid you know like mm-hmm. why am i even upset about it and um i when i was depressed i had to go to a mental uh like facility mm-hmm. for like a couple of days and like when i got back out like you know it was really bad in the facility like really bad um but when i got out they helped me a lot to, like, realize, like, hey, man, like, that was only, like, a segment of your life. Like, wow. it was just, you know, it's it just ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we got greater things to worry about. So, wow. they helped me a lot, and they're still, like, some of my closest friends that, like, I always hang out with them So they come back home. So, they helped you keep perspective, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, okay. definitely. They helped me to, like, remember, like, who I am, basically. Okay. Like, I kind of lost myself. Mm-hmm. in my depression and like in my pain mm-hmm. um but they kind of like remember like reminded me like hey this isn't you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like this depression isn't you this pain this pain doesn't like just because you're going through this and you feel this way it doesn't mean this is who you are mm-hmm. and this is you know the reality of the situation mm-hmm. because it's like yes we we feel things and we experience things mm-hmm. but just because we feel things and experience things doesn't mean like we need to let them affect us to the point where they become our reality. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then after high school, um, I mean, I did lots of sports. Like I said, I did football. I was like captain of the football team my senior year. And also my senior year, I got like second place in state for wrestling, which That's is pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and eventually, like, as I was applying for colleges, I decided to come to FSU, the nice. big old FS of U. Florida State uh, University. Yeah. Um, and this was before I was like, 
a disciple or someone who was following God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm going to come to FSU because A, my mom went here. B, my brother's going here. And C, it's like the party capital, right? Like, that's where everyone goes to party. Yeah. Yeah. That was how growing up was for me. Who would you say are, are two people who've influenced you the most, like, while you were growing up? Uh, I'd say it has to be my... Man, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to kind of lump it into two, like, categories of okay. people. That's so, like, one would obviously be my family. And from my family, I'd say most would be my mom and my, my brother. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have a dad growing up. So my brother was kind of like that father figure I needed right. when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, we used to hate each other when we were kids. We used to fight all the time. Like fist fight? No, not fist oh. fight. But like, <laughs> yell at each other. He Like, I'd want to hang out with him. We'd be like, go away. Like, I'd want to hang out with him and his friends because I'd be like, your friend's so cool. You're so cool. I was a typical, like, little brother. I was like, you're so cool. I want to be just like you. He's like, leave me alone. Like, you're kind of annoying. Like, I just want to hang out with my friends. Like, why do I have to bring you everywhere? Because my mom would always be like, you better bring him if you're going somewhere. And, <laughs> and he'd be like, gosh, why do I have to bring him everywhere? Um, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to be just like my brother because I thought he was so cool and like he's a lot different than me because i'm a very like emotional and like spontaneous person but Mm -hmm. he's very like calculated and like analytical Mm -hmm. so i always wanted to be just like him um and then my mom i mean my mom raised me you know by herself so like she guided me you know through everything and she's always been there for me through everything and i'll never forget but after my depression had you know, come and gone, I thought of this um, poem, basically, from my mom, and I don't have it on me, but the poem basically consists of, like, there's a kid, or there's a man who has, like, um, he has, like, a pocket watch, and, like, the pocket watch is, like, it has, like, um, an engraving from, like, his mother on it, and he's sitting at this well, and he, like, falls inside this well, And, like, he's drowning because he doesn't know how to swim. So he's drowning in this well, and he's, like, dying. And um, eventually, as he's sinking, you know, because he was fighting at first, eventually he he just thinks, like, you know what? This is going to be my life. Like, I'm just going to sit in this well. Like, I don't feel like fighting anymore. I feel like just drowning. And there's no point. Like, there's no point of even fighting to come out of this well. But, you know, the engraving of his mother, like, And it's kind of like a spirit of his mother comes and basically, like, drowns with him. Mm. And she's like, you know, if you're going to be in this well, guess I'm in this well with you. And I guess we're both going to drown. And the kid, you know, the man, he's like, well, I want my mom to die. You know, I don't want her to drown with me. So he swims to the top because he doesn't want to see his mom in pain anymore. And that's kind of the way, like, I feel like my mom views me where she was like when i was going through my depression because i wasn't fighting anymore and she's like okay you want to be depressed well we're going to be depressed together wow and like either we're both gonna die or we're both gonna live simple as that wow that like it's just i mean that's just crazy to me you know so let's just take a moment too for any single parents that are listening to this just thank you for for how hard you work and how much 100%. you do, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I don't know the circumstances of the situation, but just wanna just wanna say thank you. Yeah. You're making a difference. We know um, it's difficult, and that it seems like it doesn't hasn't have an end. But 
you are making a difference. Clearly, oh, Melo's a living example. 100%. Single parents keep rocking in the free world. The other group of people that have influenced mm-hmm. me are probably all the mentors I've had in my life. And I've had several that have all taught me so many different things that like I still remember. Because I haven't had a father figure in my life, I kind of like have had so many different ones at different periods of my life. Like uh-huh. when I was younger, my brother was like my father figure. But then as I got older, my neighbor um, yeah. became my father figure. Um, <laughs> I and, love neighbors. Yeah, and then as I got <laughs> even older, my um, my like art mentor became my father figure because I had a when I went to when I was in high school, we had a graphic design teacher, mm-hmm. and um, he taught me how to draw. Basically, like I was, I drew a lot as a kid, but he taught me like how to like. He basically taught me how to learn how to draw. So like. He taught me how if, like, I know how to learn how to draw something, I can draw anything. And so he taught me basically that and how to practice Mm -hmm. at drawing anything. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I was able to start drawing, like, things I had never drawn before. So he's definitely one of my biggest mentors. He's kind of, like, one of the biggest reasons I'm even here, like, in this room talking with you. Because he was one of the, like, people that told me, hey, when you go to FSU, you need to find a church. Man. Because it's important, and those people take care of you. Because he knew how emotional I was, mm-hmm. and so he knew that like a church would definitely understand my emotions and like right. take care of me and love me. Uh, but yeah, I've had like a lot of people who have influenced me and helped me grow. So yeah, that is awesome. Especially just the fact that you mentioned like you didn't grow up with your dad, and how your brother was that that role, and then you had different people stand in in different seasons of life. That's really cool to me. Yeah. Um, that's profound. And do you feel like you, you had those people in the times you needed them? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, like it's so weird because like, I feel like God's kind like God's kind of finally like saying like, Hey, mm-hmm. like you don't need them anymore. Like you're an adult. Like you can go back to them as advisors, yeah, but not yeah. as people you look up to. Wow. Cause like he's kind of taken that role finally, yeah. you know, that yeah. he deserves. <laughs> so it's like, it's so weird. Cause it's like, my brother was kind of like that role where I looked up to him. And then my neighbor was kind of that role where I looked up to him. Mm-hmm. And then my art mentor was kind of that role when I looked up to him. But then when I got the same height as all of them, <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm just looking face to face to you guys. Like, I don't have anyone to look up to anymore. And the guy's like, no, nope. oh, now I'm here. Now I'm here. I had to give you some time to understand. But now I'm here. I'm taking my rightful place as your father. Wow. And it's awesome because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he is. Like, I just look up to him. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of like an advisor. Yeah. I come back to and I ask them, what, like, what would you do or how would you do, you know? Yeah. And there's like, I still love them as if I would love a father. But, like, God's kind of taken that, like, mentoring, like, teacher type of role right now so yeah which makes sense jesus says he is our lord and our teacher exactly that's pretty cool man yeah what's one of your favorite childhood memories (sighs) (laughs) we're we're about to shift into the the future part of your life but just curious about a special part of your past every spring break and this is just another testimony to how like much my mom worked just to just to allow us to do these things but every spring break my mom would take us somewhere she would like we would travel to a different state 
and we would stay there for the whole spring break, and then we'd come home. Wow. And we did that every spring break up until I was in, like, high school. Um, And so one of my favorite childhood memories is we would used to, we always used to go to Tennessee um, in Gatlinburg. And so sad, because Gatlinburg, like, had a fire and, like, some mm-hmm. of the stuff got burnt down. We were trying to, I think we we're trying to go this year again, but I don't know. But anyways, um, we'd go to Gatlinburg every year and we would stay in the mountains in a cabin. That's awesome. That was three stories. Three, three stories <laughs> in the mountains. Whoa. <laughs> I was expecting one. So, so I mean, cause it, it's awesome, man. Like I remember those so vividly and it's so weird. Cause I remember them like almost as if they were a dream because they were so like beautiful the first year we came we stayed in a cabin called seventh heaven and then the next year we stayed in a cabin called um chilling on cloud nine (laughs) and like like, these were the cabin names like they'd be like this cabin is called chilling on cloud nine we're like oh thank you um (laughs) but so we would go to our cabin and like drop everything off and like so like the the upstairs had like two bunk beds like a like a flat screen TV that took up like a whole wall. It was like wow. ginormous, um, and then it had like an arcade too. Like it had like a golfing game. An arcade. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I had to clarify that. <laughs> it had like two arcade machines. It had like a golfing one, uh-huh. and then like one that would do Galaga. Oh, I nice. think. Yeah, so, um, and they're free. You just like hit the button and you play and then they had like an air hockey table too. air hockey awesome. um, and then like a bunch of board games too so me and my brother would stay on the third floor because it had two mug beds so we'd stay up there Yeah. second uh, on the like main floor that you'd come into there was one bedroom a kitchen a living room with a TV and a fireplace and that's where my mom would stay um, in the one bedroom okay uh, and then below had like there was like three bedrooms uh, and they all had their own TV and own bathroom. Wow. And so... This is a setup. Yeah, so my Man. my sister, my grandma, my grand like, they would stay in their rooms yeah, no and room. stuff like that. Wow. Um, so it was really nice, and, like, every day we'd wake up, we'd go out, and we'd probably, like, we went go-karting. Yeah. We went, like, you know, oh, we went horseback riding. What? That was so awesome, That's dude. That's amazing. And... Man, like, I just have so many memories of, like, all these different vacations. Those are probably, like, my fondest memories of, yeah. like, my childhood. That's amazing. So, travel. So, what would you say travel has done for you, especially at, like, a young age? It's, like, broadened my, and this is so cliche, but it's broadened my horizon. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, it's shown me, like, different areas of the world that exist and like how people are in those areas so i can understand so she always wanted us to like be cultured and like know that hey there's like the united states of america is huge right and there's so many different types of people and like there's a different culture in each state right and people think differently in each state and do different things and and they like different things and she wanted to teach us that so that's why she took us to louisiana and alabama and washington dc and like north carolina and south carolina and like all these different places yeah um because she wanted us to know that hey that's how you understand people is by trying to go to where they are at you know that's such a that's such a a profound thing because the first time I moved ever was when I was 18 yeah and then I came from Miami to Tallahassee yeah um, and, but I, I did travel a lot but I think there's a difference between traveling and staying someplace for a little while and then actually living somewhere else yeah. but I, I still think that travel is so important it really is it, it made me I think the little bit of traveling we did 
made me feel okay with leaving mm -hmm. Miami. Yeah. Um, and then living up here, away from Miami, is like, wow, I, I mean, I just... It's so different. Totally different. Yeah. Absolutely, totally different. So different. Yeah. Um, okay, so shifting gears a little bit into Please. some... Shifting them gears. Some, some deeper stuff here. Like a um, Yeah. <laughs> so are awesome. I hope um, some of the, the audience catches that one. I, me too. <laughs> How do you really feel as a young black male today? Man... I I feel a mixture of of, of several emotions, mm -hmm. um, and so I feel a mixture of like fear, mm -hmm. sadness, but also a sense of hey, we need to pick up the pace. We need to do something about this mm -hmm. um, because the thing is, is I hear so much crazy stuff going on um, that's happening to black men and it scares me because i don't want it that to happen to me but um now hearing all this news it's even scarier yeah but one thing that troubles me even more than mm -hmm. that is the fact that there's so many people who are just so <sighs> recently mm -hmm. i spoke to a girl and this upset me to the core this girl i was talking to her and this was a this was a black girl, and I was talking to her about like racial issues and stuff. Yeah. And she told me she's like, oh yeah, like all white people are racist. I'm like, <laughs> really? What? I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. What do you what? Can run that by me again? Like I'm gonna need to hear that again. There's just so many people who are so ignorant, mm -hmm. and they're so they're ignorant. And they're passionate, mm -hmm. which is a bad combination. Very bad combination. Very bad combination. Yeah. Because when you don't have all the facts and you're passionate, mm -hmm. you make very Right. bad assumptions yeah. that type of that's the type of stuff that makes me sad yeah because it it's so ignorant and it like it dulls the issue because when people hear that ra when rational people hear that they're like oh this person's crazy like that must mean their whole movement is crazy and they right. just like basically say oh the whole movement's crazy mm -hmm. there is an issue and the issue needs to be solved but you can't be spouting things like that, saying all white people are racist. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Um, that is crazy. And, like, I I think my philosophy on this situation would mm -hmm. probably be, like, to compare it to someone, it would probably be, like, Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Mm -hmm. He was so peaceful. He was so loving. But he was also about his business mm -hmm. and about his mission. All right. Plain and simple, yeah, you know. Absolutely. He did things in a peaceful way. He never, he never really alienated people. Mm -hmm. He had a group of people. He said, "Hey, we're gonna do this." If a white person wanted to join, him, he'd be like, "Sure." Mm -hmm. He wouldn't be like, "No, you can't join because you're white." Right. He didn't alienate anybody. Mm -hmm. He didn't make anybody feel like they couldn't be a part of his cause because the future he was asking for wasn't about, "Hey, these people are bad. They need to stop." Right. It was more like, "Hey, bad things are happening. Yeah. We all need to do better." Right. right, right, right. Everyone needs to do better, you know? And that's kind together. of like... Exactly, together. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of my viewpoint on this, like, mm -hmm. these issues and how I feel as a black man in America is like, mm -hmm. we all need to do better. You know, black people need to do better. Mm -hmm. We need to stop, like, you know, perpetuating the stereotypes that people already believe in. Mm -hmm. um, we need to stop basically 
some 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 African Americans just like love to be spoon fed. You mm-hmm. know, they they love to feel like they're the victim. I've known some, you know, and some and most aren't, but there's a minority that does, and that needs to be nipped in the bud. Mm-hmm. And then like when it comes to Caucasians, like there needs to be a sense of hey, this this is a problem, and just because you know it's not affecting me. I need to help this, you know? Mm-hmm. There needs to be a sense of like, hey, these are my fellow Americans, mm-hmm. and they're going through an issue, and I need to help them because they're my fellow Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's, at least that's how I view it, you know? Mm-hmm. We should all try to, sh- like, be loving towards one another and, like, help each other, you know? It's not just, because when, when it's just an issue for one group, okay, it's just an issue for one group. But then when that issue evolves, it becomes an issue for everybody now. If you allow someone else to suffer and you are just standing by, like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You need to do something. You need to help the best way you can, you know? Right. Like, with what you know how to do, yeah. you should help people. And I don't think there should be this, like... I, I, I'm sick and tired of, like, this, this almost, like, cut between, like, Caucasians and African Americans. Because it's like, yes, history happened. And yes, we should all know our history. These facts shouldn't lead you to want a bigger divide. Exactly. We should come together and fix this problem together. That's not how you fix issues, by dividing it. Because right. all it's going to do is just make bigger issues. And the truth of the matter is that every person, no matter what color of skin you are or where you're from, you have a history. Exactly. And you have things in your life that have oppressed you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Whether it be like, oh, you didn't have a father in your life or, mm-hmm. oh, you didn't have money or, oh, you got you didn't get a job because of your skin color or people look at you like you're an evil person because mm-hmm. of your ancestor. Right. You did nothing wrong, right. you know? Yeah. You shouldn't have to feel guilty because of what your ancestors did. Exactly. I shouldn't have to feel oppressed because of the way my ancestors were oppressed. Right. Yeah. I don't think, and that's the, like, I don't think my ancestors would want that. I would think they would want me to look towards my future and my goal and yeah. continue to fight for my freedom and the freedoms of others. Yeah. Because uh, that's, I mean, that's just the righteous thing to do. I agree with that. How would you say that being, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ has affected the way you feel as a young black man? Um, so before I was a disciple, I think I fit into the category of like a very, the stereotype of an angry black man. Mm-hmm. Like I was angry, I was upset, and I wanted like, things to be solved immediately and I didn't really care how like they were solved mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older and this was when I was very young but as I got into like high school and I got older um I started to realize and I started talking to some people and my best friend JT who's Caucasian like mm-hmm. um I started talking to more people and I have another best friend who's Muslim and mm-hmm. then like I have another best friend who's Hispanic and I have another best friend who's like um who's Caribbean mm-hmm. and so it's like I have all these people that are so close to me and like as I gotten older I started to realize well hey like we all have issues you know mm-hmm. like it's not just me that needs you know solving to this issue and then like when I became a disciple and Jesus entered my life it made me realize even more like hey everybody is messed up in some way yep. it's not just one person's fault mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a simple fix to fix that right everyone needs to do better mm-hmm. everyone's doing something wrong everyone's doing something good and we all just need to do better in general Keep going. and that's kind of basically what i got from jesus was like hey everyone is messed up everyone needs to do better but hey guess what 
to help people do better, you have to show them love. Yep. You cannot show them anger and hate and violence because what will it solve? Nothing. You don't solve an issue by showing more hate. You solve an issue by showing love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, man. I appreciate your perspective on that. And this is, I know it's a loaded question. Yeah. And, and there is no, 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 no perfect answer to that. Yeah. Uh, which is why I asked you how you felt about it and what you experienced. And I think one of the most important conversations for us to have as people who live here or wherever is to try and understand how each other feels. Yeah. Um, because as black men, we feel a certain way. Yeah. We've observed certain things. Yeah. And as whatever other person, they felt things and observed those yeah. things as well. And I think we got to learn how to have a respectful, honest conversation yeah. where if we disagree, it doesn't mean that we hate each other, yeah. but it means that we, we understand each other and yeah. we just disagree. Yeah. Um, Couple, a few last questions here before we wrap up, man. Um, if you could give people your age one piece of advice, what would it be? Okay, so um, I'm about to blow some people's minds right now. <laughs> but, like, I'm 19, just so all of you know. You know, pretty young. And the advice I would give people my age... Hmm... The advice I would give people my age right now is to take some time to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. Because I thought in high school, I knew exactly who I was. Mm. And I thought I had everything figured out. And I thought like, man, it's going to be easy. And then I come to college, and it's not easy. (laughs) College is not easy. Um, But I think taking the time to figure out who you are and figure out the things you like and figure out what type of people you like to be around and, you know, what type of person do you want to be and do you want kids and what type of person do you want to be for those kids if you want kids and... Mm -hmm. What type of man do you want to be for your wife? Because I feel like when we come to college, we get sucked into college life. Yeah. Uh, and that can vary depending on where you go to. Like here at FSU, it's heavy. Here at some at other places, it's not as heavy. But you somehow get in, you get sucked into college life and you kind of like just keep going. You know, you hit the ground running and you just keep going. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But I would suggest that from time to time, kind of think about who you are and, like, are you are you proud of being who you are? And if you're not, what would make you proud? And if you are, then what would make you even, you know, what would be the cherry on top, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you want to accomplish? And what are you, like, why are you living? What mm-hmm. are you living for? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't figure that out, then you'll just kind of live for other people Yeah, your whole life. Yeah. Because if you don't have a purpose, well, people are going to give you a purpose and then you'll just live for their purpose. And then you'll never really be happy because you never figured out your purpose. Right. Something that you want to do with your life because it is your life at the end of the day, you know? And whether you want to worship the Lord and give it to him Mm -hmm. and let him take control of your life or you want to do something else Mm -hmm. with your life, you need to figure that out because that's important, you know? Um, to figure out who you are. And even then, like, after I've given my life to God, like, I still need to figure out, like, okay, well, how do I want to make a living? Mm -hmm. And what type of people do I like? And who would I want to get married to? Mm -hmm. And 
how does my character reflect God's character right now? Mm-hmm. And just, it, it, it doesn't end, you know, once you've figured out your purpose. But once you figure out, like, what you want to do, mm-hmm. then you can start, like, okay, well, now i got to change things accordingly right. to what I want to do. And that will never end because you'll always be growing and developing as a person. Yeah, so I think, yeah. like, people my age should really just take the time to, like, hey, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Why am I getting this major? You know, I've met so many people who like are majoring in something like I'm majoring in political science. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, yeah, but I really like to sing. And I'm like, all right, why aren't you doing music? And they're like, cause money. And I'm like, okay, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so you're gonna let money control your life because yeah, that's what you're doing. Do. You're easy letting do. you're letting money take the handle mm-hmm. and. Let's go. We're yeah. going to go where money leads me. But, like, you know, I had to take basically a leap of faith to tell my mom and my dad and my family that, hey, I want to be an artist. Mm-hmm. I want to be a graphic designer. I want to make logos. Mm-hmm. I want to make, you know, brochures. I want to make flyers. I want to make art for right. people so they can sell it and they mm-hmm. can use it for their advertisement, you know? Yeah. And you need to figure that out. So you can be happy with yeah. what you do. And, and sometimes that's hard because I, I, I remember being 19 mm-hmm. and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And, and I had no idea that I should even think about who I wanted to be. Uh-huh. And, and me with my character, as you guys already know, it was easy for me to just feel like I just needed to please other people. Yeah. So that's challenging. Yeah. That's really good advice. And I think the... The earlier you start to reflect on mm-hmm. that, I think the better. Yeah, yeah. it's it's super important mm-hmm. because like your future self will thank your past self mm-hmm. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Because I, hmm. when I was thinking of majors, I was thinking of maybe I could do like criminology, or mm-hmm. maybe I could do like engineering or something <laughs> like that. God, oh, that would have been awful if i did engineering i i'm okay with math but i don't like it that much i don't like math enough to do it every single day of my life um but i'm like i'm glad i'm doing what i'm doing now Mm -hmm. and even if like down the line it doesn't make me the money that i want to be making that's fine because at the end of the day like at least i'm doing what i'm love like at least i'm doing what i'm happy with and i can be proud of it and i may not be making like hundreds and tens and you know millions of dollars but at least i can be happy and i can know that in my heart i'm doing what i love to do and i don't regret it right so i think yeah as a 19 year old probably should figure out what you want to do why do you want to do and who do you want to be that's awesome thanks thanks for answering that um What's your dream? Oh, <laughs> oh boy! All right. What's my dream? Yeah. I mean, I had a dream last night that like I was running away from a monster or something, <laughs> but then I turned around and like it wasn't a monster. It was like my mom. <laughs> she was just trying to give it me. It was food. a monster. And she was just trying to give me food. <laughs> Cause then I was like, uh, that, was a, that was a very Thanksgiving esque dream, <laughs> very very timely. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, my coach used to have a saying, um, <laughs> and you know it. My coach, um, every time we'd be tired uh, for football, we'd be like, oh, "I'm so tired, coach. Can I get some?" 
gotta get some red berry <laughs> or something. <laughs> and our coach, <laughs> I'm so thirsty. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then our coach, our coach would be like, "You rest when you die." <laughs> and we'd be like, "What? What? <laughs> you rest when you die?" Oh, he would man. scream that to us, and um, <laughs> I mean, like, that's uh, pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. What I take from it is give it your all. Yeah. Because when you're done, you're done. You're done. I want that. I want people to know that when I died, I gave it my all. Mm-hmm. I want people to remember me when I die as the person that did the best he could. Thank you for listening to Candid Mike, where we share life and ministry principles to inspire transformation and ministry development. Each episode is a joy for us to record and we are so thankful that you tune in to listen to us. A big thanks to Steezy Prime for our show music, which you can find more of his music on SoundCloud at Steezy Prime. Please stay tuned for our next episode and follow us on Instagram at Candid Mike Podcast. Thank you. Until next time.